Hey guys, welcome into the Magic Weekly Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Chapman. Monday, July 20th, and we're just about 48 hours from NBA basketball, folks, albeit in scrimmage form, but the Magic and the Clippers, Wednesday afternoon, 3 o'clock, we're going to have pro basketball back in our lives. One of the few people I know who is as excited as I am about that fact is my guest today here on the Magic Weekly Podcast. The voice of the Magic, Dennis Newman, joins me today, and and of course, Dennis and Richie Adubato. They'll have every second of the action for the rest of the season on FM 96.9 The Game and on the Magic Radio Network. D-Man, it's great to hear your voice. It was great to see you yesterday as we did our little mini walkthrough at Amway Center. How the heck are you? I'm good, Jake. It's, uh, yeah, it was good to see you. I, I, you know, I think I don't know. In a way, I don't think I realized how much I missed the guys – I work with, you know, and you finally get together with them. As you said, we got together for a couple of moments yesterday there at the arena and, and you know, have some laughs and think about what we're about to do and think about the future a bit. And, yeah, it's, it's fun. And uh, I'm, I'm blessed to be working with some good guys, especially with you, and it's good to be back. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, what, what did the Dennis Newman quarantine lockdown, uh, what have you been doing the last couple of months? You know, I've really been listening to what they've been telling me to do. My wife and I, Debbie, have just really stayed here at the house. We've had, uh, you know, our kids live all over the country. Yeah. We've had a couple of the kids come in for a few days with grandkids. But really, we've, we've stayed here and just, you know, worked on the yard, uh, tried to keep up with what's going on in the NBA, what, what's about to happen, and try to decipher, you know, what, what everybody's going to do and how they're going to do it. But I'm really laying pretty low lately the last few months. I'm sure like a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, uh, that's pretty much all we have to do. Thank God for my dog. Uh, I'm not sure I would have gotten out of the house over the course of the last couple months. But um, it, you mentioned what we're about to do and this undertaking. And I, I've been asking everybody, Dennis, you know, you've, you've been doing this a long time. And we know the league is in such a good place as far as leadership goes, um, both as far as Adam Silver and then as far as the union goes as well with Michelle Roberts, but the undertaking, the, the fact that we're actually 48 hours and, and everybody is on campus out at Disney in a 114-page you know, safety protocol put in place, when you really take a step back and you think about what all they've been able to accomplish, the amount of planning that's gone into this, and now the execution, and so far so good, uh, it's staggering, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. And, and you know, two guys like you and I that really haven't been so much involved in the preparation, but we right. sit there and watch it, we listen to it, we, we listen to the planning, and then to watch it unfold. It is pretty remarkable, Jake, to look at what they've done. And it's early, we realize that, what, a couple of weeks in, but it looks like they've got quite a plan. It's working effectively here for a couple of weeks. Hopefully it will continue that way through the end of this anyway, a couple, two, three months down the road. But um, well, you really got to tip your hat to the people that that did this, led by, as you said, Adam Silver, but a lot of people, uh, a lot of people on our magic side that have been involved. I know Alex Martin's been right in the thick of things. He's on right. one of the main committees. But, uh, you know, just the, the cost, the undertaking, the man hours, just unbelievable what this is to make this bubble or whatever they want to call it over on the Disney campus. And it, it seems like early on, cross our fingers, it, it's working really well. What do you expect to see, Dennis, uh, basketball-wise? I keep thinking, you know, I, I feel like people are kind of tricking themselves, saying, well, you know, it's going to be a crapshoot and really anybody, like more than likely the Lakers and the Clippers and the Bucks and, and the teams who were at the top of the standings um, in mid-March are going to eventually 
I think, sort of rise to the top. But it does feel like this is an opportunity, especially for a team like the Magic, um, you know, to maybe make some headway and, and maybe um, surprise some teams. How, what do you expect to see basketball-wise, I guess, through the seeding games? And then do you expect there to be a point where, um, you know, it, it, it sort of goes back to normal and, and I guess you have the outcomes that we expected to have um, in mid-March? Yeah, good question. You know, I think it's going to be, Jake, very similar to the start of a, a regular, regular season where you kind of know which teams were good last year. You, you expect them to be good again this year, and most of them will be. But I think there's going to be some surprises. I mean, because it's been so long and you just don't know about the conditioning for each individual player. Um, you know, we listen to Steve Clifford talk about his team and, and it, it sounds like Steve's pretty pleased with what his players did in the offseason. Though if you read between the lines, there's a couple of guys there you, you can tell yeah, he wasn't so pleased with what they did in the offseason. So I think we'll see that play out, especially early here in the scrimmage games early in these first eight games. But then, as you mentioned, I think you kind of alluded to, it shakes down and then you get, you know, you get the guys that can play. You get the teams that can play. And I expect them to be pretty similar to what we saw during this regular season when it came to an end, what, four months ago. So we'll see. But you mentioned an opportunity for the Magic. And I think there is a great opportunity. I mean, this team was playing terrific basketball when we left back there. What We had won three in a row. What was it, six out of nine? They were set up for a good schedule the next four or five games, if I remember, against sub-500 teams. Yep. But, you know, can you, can you parlay that into playing well again? We'll find out. But I, I like what I've heard from, from uh, Disney and from Steve and the players. It sounds like they're really locked in, working hard. They're working on the defensive side, which was slipping a little bit. If you remember, the offense was starting to you know, go pretty well there at the end. So we'll see. And Steve's going to always talk about defense <laughs> anyway. So if they get the defense going, I think that, that says good things about where they might be able to go as a team. Stan Van Gundy used to always talk about how, you know, uh, second half of a back-to-back or fourth game in five nights, conventional wisdom would lead you to believe that the younger teams with fresher legs would be better off in those situations. But Stan used to say, you know, go look at the Spurs numbers uh, and, you know, the fourth game in five nights or the second half of a back-to-back. Veteran teams typically are the ones that take care of their bodies best. And I would think a veteran group and, you know, a, a group of guys who have been around the block a little bit, those would be the guys who would – it was completely unprecedented and nobody's been through a four-month layoff. But those would be the guys who would, who would take care of their business. Um, so, so I would expect to see – you know, conditioning is going to be so important. Um, fending off injuries, especially soft tissue injuries, is going to be so important early on um, during the scrimmages and the seeding games. I would expect veteran groups and teams that have going, gone about it um, wisely over these last couple months um, to be in better places, wouldn't you? I think so, and, and I think that really behooves the Magic because they, they fall into that, that group of teams, I think. Yeah. Another thing, you know, we haven't talked about, but if you listen to Jeff Weltman, the Magic president of basketball operations, talk, I, I've heard him co- talk a couple of times, and he's mentioned this more than just three or four times, and I, I think he's right. Uh, you know, the way the Magic have drafted the last few years, and, and they've always kind of been this way to try to bring in quality players, character players, um, you know, and some guys sometimes smirk when they hear that, 
but I think it matters, and I think it really matters in a situation like this, where you really don't know where you're going. Nobody knows, you know, exactly what we're about to embark upon. But you've got some guys with really high character that worked worked hard. They're working hard right now, as we listen to Steve. And I think that matters. I, I think you'll see the results of that. Guys really committed to their craft. And when you look down this Magic roster, it is mostly made up, if not all of them, of guys just totally committed to what they're doing and especially what they're doing right now out there at Disney. Yeah, I mean, you think about Jonathan Isaac specifically, and, you know, we, we have no idea if we'll see him. The, the last thing the team is going to do is rush him back, um, coming off an injury and then with this – um, with, with, with this layoff, but everything you've heard is that the one thing you know is that that kid's putting the work in to get back on the floor as soon as possible. Um, like I said, we still don't know if we'll see him, but you know, if you had a whole bunch of guys who approached this layoff the way Jonathan Isaac did, then I would think you would be hoisting the Larry O'Brien trophy well, uh, sooner than later. Absolutely. I, I've heard nothing but good things about what Jonathan's done and the way he's gone about this uh, I guess for him in offseason, he hadn't played since, what was it, New Year's Day when yeah. we saw him yep. there in Washington. So, uh, yeah, it sounds like he has just busted his hump trying to get back ready to go. And I, I think he's close. We'll see. You know, I, that's, a big, that's a big gamble, I think, I for, for, the, for the front office. Do you, do you play him now or do you just give him, you know, the, the three, four months more and, and then roll him into next season? Uh, but I think if Jonathan's ready, if he feels as though he's ready and the, you know, the performance guys on the health side believe he can go – I think they, they may roll him out there. We'll see. Let, let's hope because, boy, if you've got Isaac back and, and an Isaac that was playing like he was playing back in December, mm. what an addition as you go through this first eight games. And then if you can get a playoff spot, what an addition in that playoff series against be it a Toronto or a Milwaukee. No, that'll change the complexion of, of everything. And um, obviously, it, ideally, you can avoid Milwaukee, but we'll see how that shakes out. Um, snagging that seven seed would be uh, an ideal scenario, I think, for the Magic as they work back. Dennis Newman with me. It's the Magic Weekly Podcast. Tell me about Steve Clifford in this sort of scenario because we, we've heard him a lot. And, you know, even during some of the, um, the, the civil unrest and some of those conversations, Steve Clifford is, is such a leader. He's such a lifelong learner. Um, what do you think makes him in a situation like this? And I'm talking about all in. Um, everything that his team and his players have gone through over the last couple months. What makes Steve Clifford the, the right kind of leader to try to get this thing going quickly? Because I think what's going to be so interesting is, you know, some teams don't really need to fight for, for playoff positioning as much. It, 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 you're going to have sort of different priorities for different teams. Um, but Steve Clifford, you know, game one on the 31st is the Brooklyn Nets. It's essentially a playoff game. Coach Clifford needs to have his team ready to go right away. And he's been preaching approach, approach, approach. We need to approach this as an opportunity. We need to approach film sessions and walkthroughs in hotel ballrooms um, with, 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 with the same level of intensity. It feels like Steve Clifford as a head coach is a really good guy to have at a time like this. Yeah, I would underline that. I, I like what you just said, Jake, lifelong learner. And there's no better explanation, I think, of Steve Clifford than that. This guy just is consumed by learning and advancing not only his craft of basketball, but I think just being a human being and knowing yeah. what the world is around him. The example is, as you said, John Lewis, the congressman that, that passed away, and the life work that he had contributed to our country. I listened, I think it was today or yesterday, I listened to Steve talk about 
uh, John Lewis, incredible the depth of information and what he knew about him and his career back to Selma and then forward. Mm. Uh, I mean, specifics about what he had done during his reign there in Washington as a congressman, just unbelievable stuff. And I think stuff that, you know, a lot of us should know what our people in, you know, that represent us are doing and who they are as people. And uh, he certainly does. And that's just a, a small example, I think, for Steve, because he's interested in a lot of different things. But uh, anything that he attempts to, to, to learn, he, he dives in all the way and goes and learns everything he can about it. Basketball, I mean, he's life free. This is what he does. This is what he does 24 hours a day. This is what he's done since when we drop off March 11th. He's, he's stayed at it, and he's ready to go. I think he's just trying to bring his team along right now, get them back ready, in rhythm, ready to play. We'll see what happens Wednesday in that scrimmage against the Clippers, have three of those. And, and as he said, we got to be ready against Brooklyn day one. There's teams – ahead of us, Toronto, Milwaukee, that don't have to be ready for those first three or four games. They're in the playoffs, but we've got to be ready that first game and play our best basketball. And yeah, I think we've got the right guy leading us. You know, Dennis, when, when I think about the idea or, or the concept of potentially a big upset or a team like the, or the Magic um, surprising teams, one of the things, and, and you hate to talk about it, but one of the things you think about is other team, like injuries are going to happen. I, I don't think there's any way we're going to be able to avoid this just because players are such, you know, creatures of habit. And some of these guys are going to go uh, too fast too soon. And that's just going to be the nature of, of an experiment like this, where you're just playing eight seeding games and then you're playing playoff basketball, which is essentially a whole new sport. When you look at other teams compared to the Magic and the balance the Magic have on roster, you know, that could be a big boost for them because they don't have so much tied into one or two players. Um, if Giannis pulls his hamstring, the, the Bucks season is in serious jeopardy, whereas I think the Magic could withstand an injury to one of their core players um, just because they have a little bit more balance across the roster. Can you see that playing out a little bit? Yeah, I think it's a good point. I think it's not only a good point in what you're saying. You've got guys that can step in, say, like a scoring role. You've got guys that can help if Vucevic goes down, mm. if Fournier goes down. And not only that, too, I think we saw it late there in February and March, Jake. This team got a lot deeper. I think the addition of James Ennis, you had a couple of guys come back. It's a much deeper team than it was earlier in the year. And I think Steve feels really comfortable going, you know, 9, 10, 11 guys. And I think deeper than that, I think you'll see a lot of teams do that. You made a good point about the injuries. And I think coaches are going to be very careful here early, surely in the scrimmages. But I think even in these first three, four games in the regular season when we get back to the first eight, uh, just to watch players' minutes and be sure they go deep in that roster if able. And I think most of them will be able to do that and, and play more guys. I think the Magic are in a good position to do that. Do you expect that, Dennis, a 11-12 man rotation even into the seeding games? Because you nailed that. I mean, you talk about Ennis. He, I feel comfortable with Gary Clark playing um, playing some major minutes in a, in a very important game. We've seen what he can offer. That guy's a pro. Um, and, and, look, earlier in the season, Cliff was trying to pare down his rotation. He was trying to figure out what to do with MCW because he needed to get him on the floor. That depth is certainly – um, you know, a, a feather in the Magic's cap. And I would expect, even though those games are really important, 
um, you know, they, they don't mean anything if one of your starters goes down right away. So do you expect to see a, a 10, 11, 12 man rotation potentially even in, you know, some of the more important seating games? Well, I expect to see 9, 10, 11 here early, and then you know how the playoffs go. And I, I count these eight games as the playoffs here right. because, really, that's that's what we're doing. We're, we're, I think we're just trying to make sure we stay ahead of Brooklyn. We avoid that play-in series, and then you go into the playoffs, be it seven or eight. But, uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see. I, I always – you know, when you go into a playoff series, it's always production. And and coaches are going to go with the guys that produce. And the, the option for Steve is vast. I mean, he's got a lot of guys. You mentioned some of them. you got Clark. One dude hasn't played a lot or wasn't playing a lot there at, at the end of that regular season before we stopped. Um, Bamba, you can slip him back in there, play him minutes. Birch, you're certainly – you know, you're, you're uh, very, very uh, – you know, you know Kim Burtz. You know what he does. You know sure. what he's going to do for you. So you're not afraid to put him in a basketball game, and especially in a big game. So, yeah, I think it just gives Steve Clifford a lot of options and a lot of depth, and, and that certainly will help. And hopefully there won't be injuries that force those circumstances. Dennis, you've been doing this a long time. Every time this time of year, actually, I, I should say – uh, about a month or two from now, when we're normally reporting to training camp and getting set to go, you see the muscle watches. This guy came back with 15 added pounds of muscle. Well, Mo Bamba's added 28 pounds of muscle. If you saw his Zoom interview the other day, it looked like it all went into his traps. I think he had 14 <laughs> pounds on, on either shoulder. Um, look, we know Mo is far from a finished product. You knew when Mo came out, um, especially with young big men, young long big men built like he is. Um, that it was going to take a couple off seasons for him to be able to build his body up um, to withstand the rigors of an NBA season being a big man. But to add 28 pounds over this layoff, that shows that he was taking it seriously. Um, it, it wasn't 28 pounds of fat. I mean, he looks like he's in the best shape of his life. I do think probably there will be a little bit of an adjustment period as he gets on the floor, you know, learning how to, to play um, at that added weight, but that needed to happen, didn't it, Dennis? And and, and you, you sort of rip that Band-Aid off and you say, put the weight on now and then figure out how to play with it. I think that's a great sign for the future for Mo. Yeah, it's a great sign to work, as you said, that he put in Jake to do it. And, you know, he's got the body frame that he could put on, what it was, at 30 pounds, and he thinks, you know, maybe, maybe not a little more. It sounded like he felt pretty good right around 250, was moving well. The best thing about that story for me, Jake, was listening to the other players that are going up against him right now. Ken Birch was one of those. I think Vucevic, I heard him comment as well, saying it doesn't seem like he's lost anything as far as athletic ability and jumps. So, you know, that's great. A guy can put on 30 pounds in four months, and it doesn't affect that part of his game, which is, you know, that's – that is exactly what Mo Bamba is out there for is athleticism. So you don't want to hamper that any, but it's a great start. It's a, it is a good sign to see Mo put in the work, get it done, and now be able to see the fruit from that labor. Last one, Dennis. I, I'm, I'm watching. It's so fun to watch these guys out on the Disney campus. I mean, the content um, on Instagram Live or on Twitter videos or whatever is, is it's great. I mean, they're out there fishing. They're having a blast. It looks like. Everything is going pretty well so far. Um, and I think it was Evan Fournier who described it kind of like an Olympic village. I mean, it, they're all going out and, uh, and it's a lot of camaraderie right now. That's going to change pretty quickly, don't you think? Like, I can't wait to see if everybody just sort of, um, you know, there, there's a halt to all of the um, these are my buddies and all of the fun videos that we see once the games start. I think probably 
guys are going to lock down. Can you just imagine what, what it's like for a player? I mean, you've been on, what, 15-day road trips before, um, and that just pales in comparison to this. I don't think anybody's crying too many tears for them. I mean, they're getting paid pretty handsomely um, to stay in a very nice hotel and um, to eat pretty good food. But this is a long time away from the players, um, for, for these players from their families. Um, what do you think that experience is like? And do you think right now we're kind of in the honeymoon phase and it might get a little bit nasty here in a couple of weeks? <laughs> yeah, no question. Yeah, I can't even imagine. You're right. You know, you've gone on two week road trips before, but to go for a couple of months or at least, you know, you're going for a good month and a half. I can't even fathom what that must be like. But I think you're right. You make a good point about once the competition begins, and remember, these guys are world-class competitors. I mean, these guys will compete at anything. And when it comes to basketball, this is their livelihood. It, it, I think it'll change as far as just the frivolity around the campus. Uh, I thought it was interesting. I heard today that they are going to allow players to watch the other games. I think right. that's tentative, but it sounds like that's the way they're going uh, with social distancing, I'm sure. But that'll be interesting to see how many players go walk over to the arena to watch other games. And I, I would think, Jake, being that these guys are all basketball junkies, you might see a lot of them do that. I did the, the, the visual of LeBron James heckling Paul George and Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> I mean, sign me up for that. That's, that is all I want. It's going to have like an AAU feel, but these are the best athletes in the world. Like you said, it's going to be so unique. I can't wait for it. I can't wait to get back on the air with you on Wednesday, D-Man. It's been a long wait. Certainly the work is not done. We know um, as far as COVID goes, as far as uh, um, injustice in this country, there's still plenty of work to be done, but it does feel good, just sort of some semblance of normalcy uh, to get sports back in our lives, albeit uh, in a scrimmage basis. But Wednesday, 3 o'clock, this time on Wednesday, we'll be watching NBA basketball. How's that sound, you, man? Amen to that. I, I like that. It's good to be back with you, Jake. Good to spend a couple of moments with you, and I, too, I'm looking forward to Wednesday. It'll be fun to just hearing the sneakers squeak and uh, the ball going through the net again. And again, 3 o'clock uh, on Wednesday, the Magic and the Clippers, the first scrimmage uh, on the Disney campus will be the only basketball, uh, the only NBA basketball in the world for about a half hour before, uh, I don't even know who else is playing, before somebody else gets going there at, uh, at 3.30 on Wednesday. He's Dennis Newman. Make sure you check out all of our Magic Radio Network broadcasts uh, locally here on FM 96.9. Again, Wednesday, 3 o'clock, we'll get things started with the scrimmage against the Clippers. Give me a follow on Twitter. It's at Jake Chapman OM. My name is Jake Chapman. This has been another edition of Magic Weekly. We'll be back next week with another. Have a great and a very safe week, everybody.